I'm confused why there's so much confusion. And I wish I could help with your confusion, but I too am confused with your confusion as those yeah. who are watching right now are so confused. <laughs> that sounds about right. Me too. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. For the confusion. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in From the Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WTPA. In Maui, Hawaii on KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, and in Round Mountain, California on KKRN, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Buckle up, lock yourselves in, whatever you have to do to stay safe. Holy mackerel. Um, Ron Klain the uh, former Clinton Gore and Obama Biden staffer tweeted, I don't know if it was today or last night, quote, I worked on eight Supreme Court nominations for over 30 plus years. I was chief counsel of the Judiciary Committee during the Anita Hill Thomas uh, Clarence Thomas hearings, was clerking on the Supreme Court during Robert Bork, and I have never seen anything like this, he said. I don't know that anyone has, uh, but the Kavanaugh news over the weekend and today, which we'll get to in a moment, is only part of the madness coming out of Washington, D.C. today as the nation had a bit of a terrifying emergency drill for what may happen. I might add what will happen when Donald Trump moves to fire Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and to kill the Robert Mueller special counsel probe along with it. This is going to be a week from hell. Perhaps uh, TV writer Jordan Nardino summed it up best by tweeting over the weekend, quote, next week has been exhausting. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's yeah. right. Next week, this week, all I, the weeks. Uh, and I, yeah. I have a feeling this is not going to stop um, until, I don't know, not at least not until the November elections uh, and probably not after that. Either. Yeah, I think the day after the November elections is going to be a day like none other. But we'll get to that at another time. Anyway, I feel you, Jordan, on Twitter. Uh, constitutional law professor Josh Douglas uh, offers a similar take. Uh, he said, quote, so this week is shaping up to be an even longer month than last week. <laughs> 
So let's start with today's national emergency drill regarding Rosenstein. It sounded something like this on CNN. Is he offering his resignation? Is he resigning? Is he getting fired? I, I, I'm, I'm confused why there's so much confusion. And I wish I could help with your confusion, but I too am confused with your confusion as those yeah. who are watching right now are so confused. But listen, for the last two years, we've all been confused by the Trump presidency, not necessarily by his policies, but by his actions and how he has acted. So to see uh, where we are at this point right now in and of itself is striking and, and historic. And it, this is one of those moments where if you're in your office right now, you'd be huddled around a, a television saying, oh, my God, is, is the guy who is overseeing the investigation into the president who may or may not have colluded with the Russians to become president is about to walk into the White House to be fired. I mean, this is one of those aha moments, except the problem is the whole presidency has been one big aha moment. Uh-huh. It certainly has. Uh, that sounds about right. President Trump is now set to meet with Rod Rosenstein on Thursday, according to the latest statements from the White House on Monday amid reports of the deputy attorney general's imminent ouster. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said Monday in a statement, quote, at the request of Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, he and President Trump had an extended conversation to discuss the recent news stories because the president is at the United Nations General Assembly and has a full schedule with leaders from around the world, they will meet on Thursday. Thursday? Anything else of note now scheduled uh, for this Thursday, Desi Doyne? Um, let's think about that. Yeah. When the president returns to uh, Washington, D.C., that's when this meeting will happen. The White House statement came amid a flurry of news reports that you heard them being confused about on CNN just now. Early on Monday, as Rosenstein was reportedly heading over to the White House and expected to be fired or offer his resignation on Monday as he visited the White House uh, for a meeting with the Trump chief of staff, John Kelly. But as of early Monday afternoon, in any case, uh, Rosenstein remains in his position for now. All of this comes after a disturbing and, uh, according to follow-up reports from other news outlets like NBC and Washington Post, a misleading report by the New York Times late on Friday that the deputy AG suggested secretly taping the president last year and recruiting cabinet officials to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office for being unfit. But that seems to have been a rather misleading report. Rosenstein has aggressively denied that report as inaccurate. And the NBC News and Washington Post reports that followed both cited anonymous sources actually said to have been in the room when Rosenstein made these alleged references to taping the president, reporting that he was actually being sarcastic when he said to then top FBI official Andrew McCabe something like, quote, well, what do you want me to do, Andy? Wear a wire? When talking to the president. The meeting took place in the chaotic days following the firing of FBI Director Jim Comey last year for what Trump eventually cited as related to the probe into an alleged conspiracy between Trump uh, between the Trump campaign and Russia during the 2016 election. But when he initially fired Comey, a letter from Rosenstein regarding Comey's handling 
of the Hillary Clinton email investigation was used as the pretext for that firing about which Rosenstein reportedly felt used by Donald Trump. Andrew McCabe, in this case, was the uh, agency's top counterintelligence official at the time. Uh, He had kicked off the initial investigation into Trump's alleged connections to Russia, and he has since been fired by Donald Trump as well, along with uh, James Comey. And anyone else, really, who was involved in, uh, in in that the beginnings of that investigation. So what The New York Times was reporting on was reportedly a memo written by McCain. Um, I'm sorry, McCabe, that memorialized one of the meetings between top FBI and DOG, DOJ officials just after Comey was fired. That referenced Rosenstein mentioning the 25th Amendment to remove a president from office, but the New York Times did not share that cited document itself, nor its context. Nor did they update their story after the reports from folks said to have been actually in the room who claimed that Rosenstein was actually being sarcastic when he made that remark. In any event, it was Rosenstein who appointed Robert Mueller last May to spearhead the probe into potential collusion, conspiracy between Trump, uh, the Trump campaign and Moscow after Trump had fired Comey. Rosenstein's removal from his post would likely result in utter havoc in Washington, D.C. Is that fair to say, Desi? Oh, I would think so. Definitely. It would uh, upend and uh, potentially end entirely the special counsel's Russia Russia investigation, which Rosenstein currently oversees as a result of Attorney General Jeff Sessions having recused himself from all of this since he served as Trump, uh, a Trump campaign official and then lied about his own meetings with Russians during the campaign. If Rosenstein was fired... Solicitor General Noel Francisco would be next in the uh, line of succession to become acting attorney general and therefore oversee the Mueller probe with the power to kill it entirely if he wanted to. What does that mean? Well, we'll speak to Mark Joseph Stern about that uh, shortly, along with today's other chaos, at least some of it, regarding the quickly multiplying allegations of sexual impropriety against U.S. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, where Republicans on the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee now agreed over the weekend to allow Kavanaugh's first accuser, that would be Dr. Christine Blasey Ford of Palo Alto University, to testify before the committee on Thursday of this week, before Kavanaugh then gets to respond to it at that same hearing and without any FBI investigation having taken place first, nor any other witnesses called to testify, including Kavanaugh's friend, Mark Judge, who was said to have been in the room at the time of the alleged uh, attempted rape by an allegedly stumbling drunk Kavanaugh some 36 years ago when both he and Dr. Ford and his friend Mark Judge were all high school students at uh, Tony Maryland prep schools. On Twitter today, Lindsey Graham, South Carolina Republican senator, uh, tweeted regarding the uh, battle over the nomination of of, uh, Kavanaugh, quote, 
What we are witnessing is the total collapse of the traditional confirmation process for a Supreme Court nominee. It is being replaced by a game of delay, deception, and wholesale character assassination. That, incredibly, from Republican Senator Lindsey Graham, after Republicans, for the first time in history, refused to meet, much less hold a vote on, for an entire year, uh, on the incredibly well-respected, even by Republicans, well-respected and well-qualified U.S. Supreme Court nominee, Merrick Garland, the D.C. appeals court chief judge who was nominated under uh, President Obama. And now these GOP snowflakes expect us to take seriously their concerns about, quote, the total collapse of the traditional confirmation process. Are you kidding me? And a game of delay and deception? Seriously, Senator? Seriously? Apparently that's where we are. Uh, and now uh, new allegations of sexual assault came to light over the weekend in a piece by Ronan Farrow and Jane uh, uh, Mayer over at The New Yorker alleging a classmate with Kavanaugh at Yale, Deborah Ramirez, suggesting that she was also assaulted by a drunken Kavanaugh at a dorm party in his first year of Ye at, uh, at Yale. I will save you the graphic details of that allegation. Thank you. But you're welcome. But uh, moreover, uh, they also report that Republicans on the Judiciary Committee knew about these additional allegations and tried to speed up the vote for Kavanaugh after having learned about them. Now, Republicans on the committee deny that charge today, but they're doing a lot of denying. As Alternet now reports... On Sunday, just before Ramirez's allegation was made public, attorney Michael Avenatti tweeted, quote, I represent a woman with credible information regarding Judge Kavanaugh and Mark Judge. After the New Yorker story dropped, Avenatti clarified in a second tweet that his client is not Deborah Ramirez and later added that she will be, quote, demanding the opportunity to present testimony to the committee and will like, likewise be demanding that Mark Judge and others be uh, subpoenaed to testify. Judge, who is a friend of Kavanaugh's at Georgetown Prep, he's been named as a key witness to Ford's, uh, the, the first allegation made by Ford. Uh, Judge has denied any knowledge of the incidents. However, he is refusing to testify under oath, and Senate Republicans are refusing to subpoena him to do so, along with refusing to request that the FBI investigate the Ford allegation or apparently any of these other ones. Now up to three at this point in our story. Ramirez has also asked the FBI to look into her allegations as well, but Republicans do not want that for some odd reason. Now in 1991, quick reminder, the FBI spent just three days investigating Professor uh, Anita Hill's allegations that she was sexually harassed by then-Republican Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas, who is now U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. An investigation by the FBI into Ford's allegations could have already been completed by now. In a conversation with Politico, uh, Avenatti confirmed further details of this allegation from uh, a third woman. 
He included that uh, he, in fact, represented multiple clients with information, but that one of them was indeed a third accuser. Avenatti told Politico that he represents a group of individuals who can corroborate allegations involving Kavanaugh and his longtime friend Mark Judge back in the 1980s. Avenatti said uh, he'd uh, described just one of the individuals as a victim, said she will testify, but before she does, she will likely appear on camera for an interview. So presumably she will speak to news media rather than trying to arrange testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Avenatti said the others uh, were witnesses to the allegations. He said he would not elaborate on the number of clients, but said that he represents them alone. Uh, Of course, he's best known for representing Stephanie Clifford, a.k.a. Stormy Daniels, uh, who uh, earlier this year sued Donald Trump to get out of the $130,000 hush money agreement brokered during the 2016 presidential election over Trump's extramarital encounter with her. And Trump has backed down in that lawsuit. He's torn up the contract and Michael Cohen, the former Trump lawyer who brokered it, pleaded guilty back in August to eight federal felony charges stemming from his role in that deal to uh, pay off both Stormy Daniels and a Playboy model, Karen McDougal, before the 2016 election to hide Trump's affair with them. But wait, that's not all. A new report from the uh, Montgomery County Sentinel claims that Investigators in Maryland are looking into allegations from what could be a potential fourth accuser against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Montgomery County investigators say that an anonymous witness came forward over the weekend to level charges against Kavanaugh that date back to his senior year in high school, according to the Sentinel. Now, the Montgomery County police chief um, says that he knows of no investigation that his department is taking in relation to Kavanaugh. So like the Avenatti story, and frankly, not unlike both the Ramirez and the Ford allegations, what actually happened or hasn't remains quite vague and unknown and certainly unproven at this hour on a lot of this stuff. But to be frank, uh, I, I likely would not have even covered These last two allegations, maybe even the last three allegations, there's detail on them that I'm not going to get into at uh, for the moment. But I probably wouldn't have even covered them at all on this show, at least not yet, at least until there's more to either buttress the claims or until they've made their way to the Senate Judiciary Committee process itself. Because, you know, for example, with the, that New York Times story, that the allegations regarding Rosenstein and the 25th Amendment, that broke late on Friday, and there were a lot of unexplained holes in the Times coverage, which I wanted to wait before covering to find out. It seemed otherwise misleading to cover it, at that point, and frankly, given the reports, the, the follow up reports from NBC and Washington Post, it appears that I was correct in that instinct and that the New York Times story was irresponsibly one sided, which is one of the reasons I wanted to wait personally before covering it to let it ripen a bit. Uh, the same is true in these uh, new follow up allegations of Kavanaugh, frankly, so I've been disinclined to even mention them yet. Um, however, Given what the Republicans are trying to do here in simply ramming him through as quickly as possible without any investigation at all, they're trying to move fast on all of this. So I think 
Uh, you need to know about these new allegations, now up to four of them, even as vague as they may be right now. To understand what the GOP is doing here and how they are trying to uh, further their blatant theft of the U.S. Supreme Court with an individual who does not appear to be qualified to sit on the U.S. Supreme Court by several different measures, setting aside these allegations of sexual assault and so forth, including multiple allegations of perjury, lying to Congress, so, uh, you know, we're talking about a lifetime appointment here to the U.S. Supreme Court that they're trying to ram through. So if they're going to ram it through, I guess I have to ram through these other allegations that I wouldn't otherwise cover. So at least you know about them. If the GOPers want to know why I'm even talking about some of these, yes, vague charges, which could, yes, be politically motivated for all I know, they can thank themselves for their utter bastardization of this entire process and their continued undermining of just about every norm, tradition, and American value that we have in this country at this point. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about uh, some more of that with uh, Slate's Mark Joseph Stern on Kavanaugh denialism what happens if and when Rod Rosenstein is finally fired, and much more on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Yeah, that's about all they have left. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, late last week, I had hoped to have my guest, Mark Joseph Stern, on today. Uh, and it looked possible that the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing featuring U.S. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and his accuser, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, uh, who says he attempted to rape her when they were both in high school and when she was... 15 years old and Kavanaugh was 17 years old. It looked like it was possible that hearing could take place on Monday. A lot has happened since then over the weekend, of course, including multiple new allegations, some vague and some specific against Kavanaugh from as many as three other women so far. 
And that testimony from Kavanaugh and Ford has now been scheduled for Thursday in the Senate Judiciary Committee. We'll see if that happens or something derails it between here and there. And, of course, there was Monday's national fire drill, I guess we can call it, for the potential firing of Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who oversees the Robert Mueller special counsel probe uh, into the alleged conspiracy between Team Trump and Russia during the 2016 campaign. That fire drill may become a reality on Thursday, same day as these hearings as well, when uh, now Rosenstein and Trump are reportedly set to meet to discuss an allegation that Rosenstein mentioned invoking the 25th Amendment. At some point last year, not long after Trump had fired Jim Comey, that according to The New York Times on Friday and sarcastically, according to NBC News and Washington Post, Rosenstein uh, discussed wearing a wire to tape the president. So where today's conversation with our friend Mark Joseph Stern now goes, well, I have no idea. We'll find out. Joining us now is Mark Joseph Stern. He covers the law, the court system, the U.S. Supreme Court, and much more for Slate.com. Oh, Mark Joseph Stern, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Thank you so much for having me back on. I'm just scrambling around with my hair on fire on yep. this National Fire Drill Day, trying to put it out. Yeah, I know. Hope, hopefully you're uh, buckled up for today, tomorrow, and what may come from the rest of the week. Let's start uh, with Rosenstein, Mark. Noah Bookbinder of uh, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington tweeted, quote, If the president fires Rosenstein or forces him out, to undercut the investigation into himself that is unacceptable and is obstruction of justice. Well, unacceptable, I guess, is uh, a bookbinder's opinion there. But obstruction of justice is it? Would that be obstruction of justice? After all, we got an executive appointee in Rosenstein invoking the Constitution's twenty-fifth Amendment to remove a president. So. Is that insubordination worth of firing or is that a consideration of the proper use of the Constitution and, in fact, protecting and defending it, Mark? Well, as always, this is a kind of subjective determination because it relies upon Trump's state of mind when he does uh, finally uh, fire Rosenstein. If he does, you know, he has not yet, and uh, the man is still overseeing the Mueller investigation, so we don't want to get ahead of our skis. Um, but look, if, if Trump just said, I'm firing you because you made really inappropriate comments that undermined my leadership of the executive branch, there's really no way that anyone, uh, whether in Congress during impeachment proceedings or in a court of law, uh, could prove that to be obstruction of justice. Uh, the necessary intent just can't be proved. It might be there. This might be pretext. And I think mm -hmm. almost everyone recognizes that if Trump does end up uh, sacking Rosenstein and saying it's because of this 25th Amendment report, that that'll be, you know, pretense to mm -hmm. cover up the real reason. But, but it's just impossible to prove that. So I think the obstruction inquiry, it, it's premature and it's going to be very difficult to prove. I think the bigger issue that um, everyone in America, but especially progressives, should be focusing on is who this 
duty would devolve to mm-hmm. if Rosenstein is fired, uh, and how the American people can protect uh, uh, Mueller from getting basically scrapped or trashed or impeded or hampered uh, by somebody else. So right now it looks as if uh, the, the duty would fall to uh, Solicitor General Noel Francisco. He is an extremely unscrupulous, unethical, and dishonest man uh, for many reasons, which I discuss in my latest piece at Slate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is not a good person to have managing this investigation. I think the American people need to start making their voices heard now. They need to start talking about why it's unacceptable to have an unscrupulous Trump loyalist overseeing a special counsel investigation into Trump's own activities and his campaign's actions, uh, and to get people really riled up about this issue, because what seems like sort of technical inside DOJ baseball is really what's going to determine the future of the Russia probe. Give me an example. You uh, write about, as you said, uh, Solicitor General Noel Francisco at Slate today, uh, and and you actually were in court in the U.S. Supreme Court during uh, one or two of his arguments, uh, I think, concerning the the Muslim uh, travel ban that struck you as blatantly dishonest from this guy before the U.S. Supreme Court? Yeah, so so as you'll recall, the travel ban uh, litigation revolved around whether Trump had expressed impermissible anti-Muslim animus uh, that tainted uh, the ban. And so uh, uh, Francisco, who was defending it, Mm -hmm. uh, came up with this line where he said, look, whatever Trump may have said on the campaign trail, he made it crystal clear, that was his quote, crystal clear that this was not a Muslim ban, that he was not attempting to block or disparage Muslims on September 25th. He said that like three times. And I remember I was mm-hmm. there in the courtroom. The justices, they looked sort of confused, like, where is this in the record? You know, you'd think if there was uh, a clear-cut evidence here that uh, it would have been brought up before this point. And afterwards, everyone scrambled to figure out what in the world Francisco was talking about. And it turns out he was making it up. It was totally incorrect. Uh, He even had to file a letter a few days later where he said, oh, well, I kind of got the date wrong and I kind of got the quote wrong, but the gist was correct. And that was BS, too. That was totally false. The president never gave the kind of clear disclaimer that Francisco had asserted in court uh, that this travel ban had nothing to do with Muslims, that it wasn't a Muslim ban, and that he had nothing against Muslims. And that is really the tip of the iceberg. This guy is a strong believer in vast, expansive executive power. He is a close ally with Alliance Defending Freedom, which is a hate group that devotes uh, its resources to opposing LGBTQ rights. He is a Federalist Society crony who once said, and I quote, I always say yes to the Federalist Society. He is very tight with both Leonard Leo and Ed Whalen, who are uh, driving the Kavanaugh nomination. He's just bad news. And to give him the reins of the Mueller investigation, to let this guy who would lie whenever it's convenient for him uh, control this investigation, it's a recipe for disaster because it gives him an opportunity to start encroaching on Mueller's turf, 
to start forcing him to wind it down or to hit the pause button, as Trump's attorneys have urged. Mm -hmm. Uh, And all of that would just be obviously a disaster for, I think, for justice. And you even, uh, you you note an op-ed from uh, Francisco. I think this was prior to the, uh, was this before the 2016 election when he, he talked about the presidential's constitutional responsibility to faithfully execute the laws requires adequate authority to remove subordinate officers is he essentially saying that donald trump yes has the uh has the executive power to fire robert Mueller anytime he wants on his own doesn't have to find an attorney general willing to do so yes and he actually said that much more recently less than a year ago he filed this bizarre brief that went way beyond the actual legal issue at hand uh, to basically scream, hey, Donald Trump, you can fire Robert Mueller, uh, mm. and if you put me in charge, I'll make sure it happens. Uh, just before the election, he wrote this crazy op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, basically bashing the FBI using the same playbook mm. uh, that Trump has used over the last few months and years. So he's a Trump clone. He, he's a very, very Trumpy lawyer who will do what Trump wants him to do to protect his presidency. Rod Rosenstein is a hardcore Republican, but he's not an unethical sham. You know, he, mm-hmm. he has a spine. He has principles. Uh, and if he leaves the picture and, and, and Francisco takes over, that it's really just bad news. It is bad news. And, I mean, you said that, you know, people need to start talking about it. Um, it seems to me this could become the constitutional crisis that so many fear and that it could come upon us, uh, Mark Joseph Stern, by week's end. I'm not sure... What what would you recommend when when you say people should talk about it? Uh, what should they do? There's all of this legislation lying around in uh, in Congress to protect the special counsel uh, investigation, but Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan have said, "Oh, it's not necessary to pass it." Donald Trump will never fire Robert Mueller. That doesn't seem to be anything like the case. Particularly, if Francisco comes in here. I mean. What what do we do? What do people do? We got an exit. We got a a taste of that potential constitutional crisis, I think, with this fire drill uh, on Monday morning. I'm not sure how people should proceed. Do you have any advice for me, Mark? (laughs) Well, the the Senate is sitting on legislation, the, the, the law that would essentially protect Mueller from interference, from, from uh, impediments from Trump or his cronies. The Senate is just sitting on this bill, refusing to take action uh, because Mitch McConnell doesn't think it's necessary. So I think that the main step here is to prove to the Congress, to show Republicans, you know what, this is necessary, and here's why. Uh, it has to be out there that Republicans are basically complicit in the, uh, you know, the hampering of Mueller's investigation if they do not pass some kind of legislation to protect him. The president is after him. We all know. He has tweeted it. There's no mystery here. Mm-hmm. The only reason Mueller can still do his job is because Rod Rosenstein has a lot more independence and backbone than we expected. Uh, if he's gone, then the only way to protect this guy is probably through legislation. Uh, now, the other, the other piece of this I would mention is that Francisco has a bit of a problem of his own. He uh, is legally uh, prohibited from taking over the Mueller investigation due to uh, a conflict of interest. He used to work at Jones Day, and Jones Day is the law firm that's representing Trump in the probe. Mm -hmm. The problem is that Trump can easily 
easily waive that conflict by issuing a waiver. All he has to do is sign a piece of paper that his lawyers put in front of him. Then the legal problem goes away and Francisco can take the reins. I think there needs to be some organizing around that and around basically saying if Trump signs this piece of paper that lets this loyalist do what he should not be able to do, that waives all of the ethical rules that are in place for a reason and puts this guy in control of the investigation, people should be in the streets. That is the point at which we know this is real. This is trouble. You know, if Francisco can't do it, it would devolve to uh, the head of the Office of Legal Counsel, who's actually a pretty smart, nice, and independent guy. He probably wouldn't pose a problem. If Trump issues a waiver that lets Francisco take the reins, he's clearly doing it for a reason. He wants his loyalist to take over the investigation. And, 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 and to be clear, this, uh, this conflict is conflict of interest that the president would have with this guy and vice versa since, he would, since his law firm would be, is representing Donald Trump and Donald Trump himself is the one who would issue the waiver in this case, right? He doesn't have to get permission from Congress or anyone else. He can just do this on his own, essentially. That's exactly right. Uh, okay, yes. Uh, mind blown again. Let's jump now uh, to Kavanaugh, uh, to that chaos as the uh, Republican Party desperately tries to push through his lifetime confirmation to the already stolen U.S. Supreme Court. Mark uh, Joseph Stern, I guess my question here for a start, why the rush? Now, I believe it has everything to do with the possibility that Republicans may lose their slim majority in the November midterms, and then they wouldn't have time to nominate and confirm another nominee before Dems uh, take control of the chamber in January. I don't know if you agree with that or not, or you may have another thought. I know you wrote about some of the cases the court is set to hear when they reconvene the new term at the, uh, I guess, the beginning of October, just a week or so from now. Uh, So what do you really see as the panic right now by Republicans to jam this guy through as quickly as possible? Well, I agree with you that they're afraid of losing their Senate majority. I think everyone has to recognize that's part of it, part of the issue here. I also think they're afraid of more accusers coming forward. They recognize that there's clearly a pattern, even if they think they're all lying, as Kavanaugh himself has claimed. Uh, there's still a pattern. Uh, and, and, you know, when there's one, as we've learned in the Me Too era, there are often many more. So they're afraid of more voices. Uh, but also, and this is not covered very much, but I think the Republicans are really, really nervous about an eight-member court delivering some liberal victories, mm-hmm. or at least thwarting some conservative ones. Uh, you know, at the end of last term, the court lined up its uh, October docket, uh, and, and the new term starts on October 1st, mm-hmm. with some pretty important cases. There's one case that the conservatives plainly want to use to sort of hobble the Environmental Protection Agency by interpreting the Endangered Species Act in a really cramped and limited way. There's another case about the constitutionality uh, of executing inmates uh, who can't even remember their crime uh, because they suffer from such severe dementia or Alzheimer's. Uh, There's a case about the detention of undocumented immigrants in this country. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a case about workers' rights and labor exploitation. You know, these aren't the blockbusters that get front-page coverage, Mm -hmm. but they're 
really important to Republican donors and to a lot of the Republican base. And I think the Republican Party wants their fifth man on the bench to cast the tie-breaking vote and deliver conservative victories in all of those cases. And I got and and I agree. I, uh, I read your article over at Slate, the Court without Kavanaugh, where you sort of go through those cases. And you're right; none of them hugely blockbusters. Which, in my mind, it seems to me that all of those decisions. Are going to uh, are going to come around again, and or could be decided the very same way by really anybody else on Donald Trump's list of whatever he had. You know, twenty people who were approved by the Federalist Society to become uh, the next Supreme Court, and yet in this case, they're not saying, "Okay, let's go to someone else." It seems to me. Look, if the Democrats take back uh, a, a slim majority in the U.S. Senate in November, if Kavanaugh drops out, they couldn't. Po- Republicans couldn't possibly. Uh, uh, I don't think. Maybe I don't give them enough credit, but it seems like they could not possibly come up with another nominee in time before. Democrats took control at the beginning of January, at which time. I think Democrats would be within their rights to seat no one for the next two years. And it feels to me like Republicans are staring down the barrel of that possibility because that seems like where we very possibly now could be headed. Uh, I think that's right, and I think that was true pretty much the day Mitch McConnell decided uh, that he would not confirm a single uh, Barack Obama nominee to replace Justice Antonin Scalia. As soon as McConnell made that decision, Mm -hmm. that he would keep this seat open, not just for the remaining year of Obama's presidency, uh, but, you know, up until a Republican president got to replace Scalia, uh, because that's what senators were saying at that point. You know, even if Hillary Clinton won, they wouldn't necessarily let her uh, pick a replacement. Uh, That gave Democrats the high sign that they should really never bother confirming another Republican president's uh, Supreme Court justice. What's in it for them? It's unilateral disarmament. If Republicans are going to play this game, Democrats have to play it just as brutally. Uh, It's an escalation, but I think you're absolutely right that it is where we're all headed and where we've been headed since the day that McConnell made his decision. Uh, So, no, I I don't think the Republicans are totally irrational to be pushing this through, because they know that, too. They're hearing these conversations on the left. They know that the Democratic base would not put up with the Democratic Senate confirming a single Donald Trump justice to the Supreme Court, and maybe not even a single Donald Trump judge to the lower courts. They've got to squeeze it all in while they still have that one-vote majority, uh, and that's why they're pushing hard on Kavanaugh, because they've gone over all the other hurdles. They did the hearings, you know, they did the paperwork and the background checks ostensibly. Now they just have to cross this final finish line, shove these accusers to the side, and get this man on the bench for life. And yet you have a guy, you know, throughout, before these allegations, these uh, sexual assault allegations came out, you had a guy who had proven himself to not just be a uh, you know a hard right Republican operative, but a guy who clearly and repeatedly perjured himself about this uh, hacking scandal back from the '90s, which we uh, talked about a week or so ago, where Republican staffers on the Senate Judiciary Committee actually stole 
uh, emails and memos from Senate Democrats. Uh, we had Lisa Graves on the show who led the uh, confirmation investigations for Democrats uh, years ago. She explained that, you know, her emails and memos were stolen by Republicans. And Kavanaugh appears to have lied about that and a number of other things, whereas he could now be facing impeachment whether he's sitting on the U.S. Supreme Court or even if he keeps his old job, his current job on the uh, D.C. Court of Appeals. It seems to me, if I'm a Republican, I would want him to, uh, you know, to step out at this point just because of that alone. But they don't care, I guess. They're calling uh, Democrats bluff and they're not worried about impeachment of a sitting U.S. Supreme Court justice. Well, I think think that they are overplaying their hand, but they believe they're calling Democrats bluff. I totally think that if Kavanaugh is confirmed and Democrats take the House, one of the first orders of business will be impeachment. That impeachment won't be successful. It will founder in the Senate, which requires obviously two-thirds vote. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's no chance of Democrats winning that anytime soon, and there's no chance of Republicans going along with them. Uh, but, you know, it will make waves and it will make Kavanaugh nervous. Uh, and, I, and I think it will make an impact, at least on the Democratic base, which is itching for a fight here and for basically every future Supreme Court nominee. Um, but, uh, you know, Republicans are attached to this guy in a way that's difficult to understand if you're not in that GOP mindset. If you don't think it's either confirm Kavanaugh or perish, if all of your donors aren't saying, I'm not cutting you a check unless you get this guy on the bench, if you haven't convinced yourself that all these women are lying, it's difficult to understand what's going on here. There is a kind of pathology on the right, and that is what is leading the charge to get Kavanaugh on the court ASAP. Last week at Slate, uh, Mark, you had a fascinating article on whether Kavanaugh should be held accountable for his behavior as a 17-year-old. As, you know, many have suggested, oh, well, kids will be kids, you know, who didn't get drunk and assault someone at a party when they were 17? And here we are 36 years later. We can't hold him accountable for that. But as you note in your article, the court has been more than happy to continue punishing 17 year olds for their behavior even today, even 36 years later. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. And the, the key question is not just what an individual uh, did at age 17, uh, but whether that individual has been rehabilitated, whether that individual has repented, has confessed to his or her crimes and apologized and tried to make the victim whole again uh, and tried to become a better person. Uh, you know, the, the Supreme Court has said generally that the, uh, the states cannot keep individuals locked up behind bars for life for a crime that they committed as teenagers if they are rehabilitated, right? Mm -hmm. But that is not what's happening here. We are not seeing Kavanaugh on an apology tour saying, I learned so much from my mistakes, I've apologized to my victims, and I regret it immensely. Uh, he is instead bashing his victims, or his alleged victims, mm -hmm. as ostensibly engaging in a coordinated smear campaign, uh, claiming that it is all designed to prevent him from getting a seat on the court, uh, from having a good name and a good job. He is not repenting at all. He's not asking for forgiveness. He is demanding that the Senate 
bless him with this privilege. And so to me, this notion that, well, we shouldn't hold whatever Brett Kavanaugh did at age 17 against him, it's a red herring. It's the wrong question, and it's useless. Because we're not just talking about what he did at age 17. We're talking about what he's doing today, what he's doing right now. And he is not acting the part of a rehabilitated individual. He is denying, denying, denying. And a man who denies a crime like this is not someone who deserves an ounce of forgiveness if the accusations are true. That's what I was going to say. Of course, he completely denies that it happened, and uh, I guess it would be difficult for him to make good, to apologize, because he says it did not happen at all, which to me only underscores the idea that we ought to have that FBI investigation. We ought to have a, a you know a, a complete investigation, not only of Dr. Ford's uh, claims, but these new allegations that have come out uh, you know over the weekend. Because we are talking about a lifetime appointment here, so I guess that brings us back to the first question: Why the rush? Well, the rush is I guess they don't want to know what actually happened in any of these cases uh i got just a a, a minute or two here uh mark uh south carolina republican senator lindsey graham on fox news sunday repeatedly uh, noted that ford's allegation uh that kavanaugh pinned her to a bed and groped her during a high school party in the 80s is quote too old for a criminal trial according to Graham, and it lacks sufficient detail to be brought as a civil suit or to acquire a warrant. And yet the Maryland State Police have said they would be happy to investigate what happened, even though it was 36 years ago, if a complaint is filed by the victim. So who is right here? Is Graham right? Is it too late to bring criminal charges, statute of limitations over on this uh, to to your knowledge? I mean, if, if all else fails, it seems like Dr. Ford could simply file a complaint with the Maryland State Police at this point. Uh, yes, well, uh, by, by coincidence, I happen to be a licensed attorney in the state of Maryland. Uh-huh. Uh, and I can tell you that there is no statute of limitations on uh, several of the charges that could be brought against Kavanaugh for this alleged crime, uh, including uh, certain forms of attempted sexual assault, uh, and uh, sort of attempted kidnapping by him keeping her in that room against her will that could qualify as kidnapping, which has no statute of limitations in the state of Maryland. It is not too late to investigate this crime. It is not too late to bring charges. It is not too late uh, for the victim to file uh, a civil claim. All of that is just nonsense. Uh, it is the desperate and bizarre and uh, deceptive words of a Trump loyalist and Kavanaugh apologist. It should not be taken seriously. Uh, The Maryland authorities would be totally within their rights to look into this. I do think that is a second best option. I would much prefer the FBI investigation that Ford has requested, but it seems Trump will not uh, grant that investigation, so we may wind up stuck with the best that Maryland authorities can do. Mm, Care to predict how any of this plays out over the next week, Mark? You know, I used to think that Kavanaugh would withdraw. I I, I didn't think he'd go through this. I thought that he would say, for the good of my family and the country, I am withdrawing. Uh, Now I think he's going to stick with it, uh, and I think there's a real chance he could be voted down on the Senate floor. We shall see. Mark Joseph Stern covers the law, the court system, U.S. Supreme Court, much more for Slate.com. He is a must-read on all of this stuff, uh, especially as we uh, barrel towards our constitutional crisis, perhaps as early as this weekend. Mark Joseph Stern, greatly appreciate you joining us today. We will be bothering you again very soon. 
Always a pleasure. I'll talk to you during the next constitutional crisis. Thank you, brother. And oh, it's coming. Uh, you can uh, find him on the Twitters, by the way, at MJS underscore DC. All right, quick break. And you know what? We'll come back with a uh, musical interlude to calm us all down or to calm me down, at least, regarding Rod Rosenstein. That's next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yeah, the... Dot com. I did say that, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. I guess I'm trying to tell myself something. <laughs> Calm down. Bradblog.com. I have been uh, trying to get to this uh, for the last week or so, but between Hurricane Florence... Uh, which, by the way, uh, floodwaters are still rising in South Carolina. New evacuations are happening uh, with the flooding set to hit on Tuesday there, uh, about a week and a half after the storm made landfall. Anyway, with that and all of our other nightmares, I I haven't been able to get to this, but uh, as Rod Rosenstein now looks to be on his way out, potentially, we'll find out by Thursday, seems like a perfect day for a song, a song about Rod Rosenstein. The Washington Post magazine recently experimented with what they described as, quote, an issue of alternative storytelling, where they took nine different news topics and asked songwriters, poets, playwrights to respond to them in various ways. One such response was from singer-songwriter Ben Folds regarding the subject of Rod Rosenstein, who oversees the Mueller special counsel probe, uh, or at least for now. And who Donald Trump, uh, who has long threatened to remove Rosenstein from the post, reportedly describes derisively as Mr. Peepers, I guess due to his thick glasses. Very nice. Very presidential. In any event, that imagery in turn, the Post reports, led Ben Folds to a character from literature known for his vulnerability. He said, I think the first thing that came to my mind was images of Lord of the Flies, I thought of the thugs that break the little kids' glasses, what you see things through, and do we want this guy seeing facts? He says he was drawn to the deputy attorney general because of the personal position he's been put in and the position that we're in at these crossroads where we find ourselves deciding to stick up for our norms or not. Here's Ben Fold's Mr. Peepers, the ballad of Rod Rosenstein. God bless the bureaucrat and the lawyer too. They're public punching bags, but someone's gotta do it. 
not so sexy the procedure or the truth I say God bless a bureaucrat and a lawyer too House Intelligence Committee piles on We'd love to know what Rosenstein has on the balls But it's just for cameras, yeah, it's just a show for us We all know we can't comply, but that's the point, of course So they call him Mr. Peepers as the thugs all smash his glasses Going full Lord of the Flies, burning this island down to ashes What's the rule of law if we can't agree on what a fact is? There ain't nothing here to see, folks. Move along, move along. Thank God for facts, they're stubborn things indeed. But little cowboys will try cases on TV. It doesn't make it so because you make believe You can't lose in court and appeal on Hannity The distinguished wrestler from Ohio He's free to lie, he's not the one who's under oath The law don't suit the boss, this deputy must go Got him in the locker room, boys, start the show So they call him Mr. Peepers And some thugs do smash his glasses If he's gone and peeped the wrong thing Then they'll burn his name to ashes What's the rule of law If we can't establish what a fact is There ain't nothing here to see, folks Move along, I'll move along Say it dies in the dark Right now They're trying to kill it in broad daylight Can flashlights really fight bombs? We'll see Right now Right, what would Jesus do? Would he bury crimes and carry water like a stooge? Or smear a family man in case he tells the truth? About the boss, yeah, what would Jesus do? Would he call him Mr. Peepers and some thugs to smash his glasses? Institution standing, but we're trying our best to trash it. Are we all the keepers of this fragile young republic? And when all those Mr. Peepers people fall, Lord help us all.
and folds with Mr. Peepers, the Ballad of Rod Rosenstein, When They Fall, Lord Help Us All, published over at Washington Post. We'll link to that when we post today's broadcast at bradblog.com. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Mark Joseph Stern of Slate.com, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. My thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us on your public airwaves. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. We call him Mr. Peeperson. Some thugs do smash his classes. The institution's standing, but we're trying our best to trash it. Are we all the keepers of this fragile young republic? And when all those Mr. Peepers people fall, Lord help us all.